Welcome to Real Life with Pamela Lau. I'm excited for you to hear our conversation with Thomas and Emily Call, a millennial couple who were born and raised in the Portland area. They are around 30 years old. They have a sweet little girl named Chloe. Thomas and Emily share with us today why their faith matters and why they made an intentional decision to leave the church building, but not their faith. Thank you for joining us today at Real Life with Pamela Lau. Well, welcome to Real Life with Pamela Lau. Today we have special guests, Thomas and Emily Call, and I have Rob Westervelt here with us today. But uh, before we introduce Thomas and Emily, um, I just thought I would just take a minute to just kind of summarize some of the podcasts that we've been doing up to now. We're still in the early stages of all of this, but but we've been discussing um, why your faith matters. and. As I shared with um, Rob on our very first podcast about, uh, I get a front row seat with college students, and in the last year, um, I gave them an assignment that said, I want you to give a one minute, a five minute speech of why your faith matters, and I broke that down for those who believed um, in Jesus and those who did not, because at, at our university, we welcome all um, people of backgrounds and faith. and. Anyway, when I, before they gave their speech, I read what they say. And the night that I downloaded all of their assignments and read through them, I wept. And I wept because of the change of the young people in the way that they embrace and internalize and live out their faith. So without going back to all that, you know, you can hear that on former podcasts, but um, we also had a uh, guest, Joe Tuvenal, who worked with young leaders, and he shared about how the shift and the change he witnessed over the last decade as he was training um, young leaders. So today, I've invited you, Emily and Thomas, be besides the fact that I love you and know you, <laughs> um, I also think that you are engaged in your church and your culture and you're also engaged with your family. So you're kind of like the package deal, right? And But before I go any further, um, why don't you just say hello, tell us a little bit about like your biographical information, how old you are, how long you've been married, and about your family. Hi, I'm Emily. <laughs> um, we, have, we just celebrated, what, seven years? Wow. Six. We've been together for seven. You're right. Wow. Isn't it usually you that forgets? Me? It should be. Like, just counting, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we've been married for six years. We have a little 16-month-old who, her middle name is Joy. She's Chloe Joy, and she is truly a joy. She brings so much joy to everyone around her, but she's brought us so much joy too. Um, we live two minutes from my parents, three minutes from my sister-in-law and brother-in-law. My sister, your sister-in-law. <laughs> She's my sister-in-law. <laughs> um, my brother, so yeah, we are. We're super close with my family. We have great community. Um, what else did you ask? How old are you guys? 30. We're both 30. We are both so 30. Rob, does that wow. make them millennials still? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it very much makes us right millennials okay. by Wikipedia's okay. definition. By yes. Wikipedia. Yes. If you were to ask my definition, it does not make us millennials. But what 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 are you in your definition? You're just a person. Oh, just a person. Okay. You don't <laughs> identify <laughs> with a generation. You don't identify. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't want to be put into a box. I don't want to be. I don't want to be put <laughs> in that box. Does that trigger you when we use that? Yeah, I just want to be very sensitive. To triggered. You. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm digressing. Yeah, we went there. <laughs> All right. And Mr. Call, can you introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah, hi, I'm Thomas. Um, I'm 30, married to uh, Emily, who is the best ever. Um, I mean, that's that's really all that's important about me. Well, what do you do for your work? What do I do? I fly airplanes for a small-ish construction company. So I take uh, executives all over to build power lines. Wow, that sounds like a podcast in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> but, and the two of you spend a lot of time together because you're, it's not like you work nine to five, right? No, I work, uh, <laughs> I think I averaged it out the other day. It's about five days a month. Yep. So, <laughs> so Emily and I spend a lot of quality time together. We do, we get a ton of time together. At first it was, because I was working full time, Thomas has always had a similar job. 
as this. He was he hasn't been gone a ton. And when I first started staying home with my daughter, everyone was like, "What do you? How do you guys spend so much time together?" And then we heard a friend say the other day that we're going to do really well in retirement. We already know what that's like. So. I do feel retired. <laughs> that's kind of what they say about millennials, right? Yeah. I mean, you guys retire early, yep. especially in the Portland area. I mean, this is all making sense. I try to work harder. They just don't let me. <laughs> okay. All right. So how about a little bit of your background in terms of how you were raised uh, in the faith? I Actually, Toms don't know all of your background, but from... So I just wonder if we could hear a little bit about that. Yeah, so Emily and I both grew up in families that went to church. Um, my church upbringing started probably when I was seven or eight. Uh, I remember watching my parents get baptized at a, a Baptist church in West Lynn. Um, and from there, we went to church every Sunday. I started going to a Christian private school in the eighth grade. And uh, yeah, I, it, was, it was church every Sunday and youth group and chapel at school and my entire community seemingly loved Jesus at the time and uh, went to college, got surrounded by some really solid people, got involved with Young Life, and um, yeah. Okay, now so I'm none of that certain. never changed all the way through? I mean, my faith has had its ups and downs. I'd, I'd say I've, just my personality is to be more steady than most, so I don't find myself really questioning things. I just kind of... Now, we should say for the record, you're an eight on the Enneagram. I am an eight. Which is the challenger. So I'm curious, you, you don't question anything? I, I challenge. Oh, you challenge, you just don't question it? <laughs> <laughs> I've just never really, like, maybe I've just been, been blessed enough to be surrounded with people who, when I challenge, have given me answers that make sense. Which takes them to the two. Right, yes, in a healthy place. Two. Yes, healthy place. Mm -hmm. And what was yours? I'm a two. Oh, wow. wow. Doing three. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wow, what a good yep. match. Oh, thanks. Yeah, because cool. he sees in you his best self. That's, well, that's great. Why I like you so much. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to look at it. That's great, though. That's really interesting yeah, for those who are interested too, in that kind of thing. Okay, interesting. Uh -huh. So, Emily, what about your background before we go any further? What? Yeah, what same. Um, grew up in the church. Jesus was the center of kind of everything we did. I do feel like um, when I when I went off to college. I figured, oh, I can do this. I'll hold my faith my own. I don't need to join a Christian house. I don't need to, I'll be a light in a really dark space because I went to a very secular college. Um, so thought I could just do it on my own, but it's super easy to get swayed when you're all alone to do the things. I joined a sorority and not very many people know that about me because I don't even like saying it because people have this stigma of a sorority. And I do, I feel like I kind of kept to who I was, but it's, I was totally alone in it. And it wasn't until my junior, senior year, I had some really solid friends come come along with me and be like, Emily, there's so much better. Like, let's, let's go to church on Sunday morning. Will you come to our, she was a part of a Christian house. We come be a part of these kind of Christian parties and we play games at night. So going to the bars on the weekend. And um, that just, that kind of turned it around. And when I graduated college, I thought that was, my last two years of college was way better than the first two years. Like, I don't want to live that life of partying. And so, um, so yeah, so got super plugged in in the church. Back at home, there was a mega church that a ton of, I guess, millennials, my age group went to at that time. And um, that's ultimately how Thomas and I met because we, um, he knew those, he had those solid group of friends from school and I met those solid group of friends at church. Got it, wow. Okay, so very similar backgrounds. Okay, so she was a little more wild in college than I was. Let's just throw that out there. He just wants to challenge that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no gray area. Here. Uh, awesome. Trying to live into my full eight. There you go. Yes. So, Thomas, you mentioned you said um, when they you were talking about your community or your friends, you said, well, at the time they were all I don't know. You sort of hint, insinuated just a little bit there that maybe some of them aren't still walking. Um, in that same belief system or that faith and I just didn't know if you before I talk to you about some of the questions I have written down if you just wanted to touch on so are are you still close with all of those that community that Emily's talking about that community you went to high school with or are you all on the same page so the the community that uh, that introduced Emily and I most all, all of those people are very solid individuals they love the Lord um, very thoughtful and still involved with their Sunday gatherings. Um, I dropped that hint because my high school, I think consisted of right under 90 kids. Um, it was a Christian high school, right? We all 
went to chapel, went to Bible class. Um, my graduating high school class was 17 girls and two boys. Oh, wow. Good um, odds. <laughs> you know, and in high school, I mean, we were all, I, I would say we were all generally on fire for the Lord. Um, but if you look now, there are, I would say, the majority of my class that are not following the Lord. And, and in some very blatant ways. Um, so it's interesting to me in a conversation that I've been having with my community over the last three years and just like, how does that happen? Okay. And it's not just my high school class. There's I mean, obviously we're, we're here to That's right. To we're going to discuss this, how did that happen? Why did that happen? Yeah. And the role of the church in that for sure. So I don't know if you all read uh, David Brooks at all. Well, he, his last book, his newest book, The Second Mountain, is the quest for the moral life. He has a chapter in there on the Instagram life. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's really interesting. He talks about how it's not just people putting their accomplishments on there. It's people now gauge their life by the aesthetics of life. Like, mm-hmm. am I doing that? Am I, mm-hmm. Does my life look like that? As opposed to, am I heading in a particular direction? Mm-hmm. But one of the the ways he introduces that chapter is he's talking about the way societies transmit value to the next generation. And he says, we basically are handing boxes of nothingness to the next generation saying things like, here's your freedom. You know, you can have all the freedom you want. Here's all the possibility. It's limitless that you can have. And he says, and here's more authenticity. You can just be whoever you are, as we talked about. Um, and then he says, you know what? You can also just be completely autonomous. You can just be independent of everything. So I, I wanted us to just think a little bit about what is the message that you would say your community talks about, that you two talk about, that the church is sending to young people? What, did they, what message did they send that sent them away? Is that even possible? Maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. I was having this discussion the other night uh, with some friends, and uh, in order to not get too long-winded, I'll try to be, try to sum it up. But I think that uh, that the overarching message of of most pastors at church, most church congregations, is that you need to live uh, according to something, as opposed to living into who God meant for you to be. Right? We talked about this uh, this idea of being fully human. Right? C.S. Lewis alludes to it in, uh, in The Great Divorce. It gives a, paints a very good picture of these ghost-like figures, right? Uh, people that, that are transparent and can't feel, and, um, and they all take a bus up to heaven because they're, they're in hell, I guess. And, uh, and these beings, these angelic beings, or maybe they're people that are in heaven, come and meet them and try to get them to, to recognize how to become human, right? And I feel like the church right now, or maybe for a long time, has generally been peddling religion, where you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that, and you've got to be a good person. And oh, by the way, Jesus loves you, and He died for you, and it's free. But don't sleep around, and don't smoke, and don't drink, and don't cuss, and don't do this, that, or the other thing, right? So, so I guess we're pushing this idea that you need to not do all these things instead of this idea that hey, in order to be fully human and be who you are and the, the person that God created you to be, you should live like this because that's how you experience full humanity. So it's very different. One is very different from the other. One, I personally would run from, and most people do, I think. And the other is like, oh, well, I, I do want to experience life to the fullest. And I think that there are so many other uh, groups or messages out there that are pulling people towards living into something, right? This freedom, right? We want you to come and experience you to your true self. So if you like men, women, you want to be a dragon, you want to turn yourself into nothing, you want to live with no contracts, no societal obligations, go for it, right? Because we want you to experience your full self. Where Christianity is like, I oh, don't know, suppress that. To some sense, whether that's the intention or not, I think that's what a lot of people get. I have a question uh, kind of related to what you just said is, what, because uh, we're kind of getting at the, the notion of truth, right? There's, there's this sort of overall decay of truth. So there's your truth, there's their truth. And so when it comes to the church, what is the church's truth? And and in light of what you just said, maybe you can share from your perspective, what is the truth of what it means to be fully human? From the perspective of the body of Christ? Yeah, like part of what what we're trying to do too is is to say as a church, what are we not doing Mm -hmm. in the church 
that has led to a lost generation, if you will. Um, people just abandoning church and going, what is this even for? And I don't want to be part of that anymore. Um, so, you know, I hear a lot about like, church is about rules and all this stuff. But then if, if it's not about truth, or it, maybe it is about truth, if it is about truth, which we would all say, yeah, we think it is, the faith, what is that? Like you would say that your generation needs to hear that's the truth, that they wouldn't say, be repelled by because that sounds like a rule. Yeah, quite simply, the truth is Jesus. I mean, he is, he, he says it, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And a big gap that I see in a lot of pastors pastoring or teaching these days, because to, to challenge things, most pastors don't pastor, they just teach. Jesus himself says, I am the truth. Like, he is the truth. And so we go to church and we learn a lot of knowledge about the Bible. And uh, and we, we gain knowledge and gain knowledge and, okay, well, I shouldn't do this because of this. And now I know the Greek root of that, so now I really shouldn't want to do it. <laughs> and I've memorized these Psalms and these scriptures, but at the end of the day, I honestly question whether most people even know the truth, which is Jesus, right? Because we don't, we don't need knowledge. Jesus doesn't say, gain all this knowledge and then you'll find me. He just says, quite literally, find me and you've found truth. If he is truth, then you find him, you found the truth, right? A lot of us have a lot of knowledge, right? All my friends in high school, we, we, I, know, I personally know that I know the Bible very, very well from back in those days, right? Mm -hmm. So then that to me means that knowledge didn't lead them to the truth. So to Rob's question, what is something that you and your community would say the church could, I hate to even use the word do better, but how could they communicate more of Jesus? Yeah, that's uh, maybe a complex answer that I'll try to wrap up simply, but I think that showing people how to have a relationship with Jesus, and, and quite literally showing, right? Um, maybe five years ago, maybe not even that long ago, we, uh, we were leading Young Life, Emily and I, and I've led Young Life, I led Young Life all through uh, high school. And, and in Young Life, we try to build a relationship with a high school or middle school kid um, in, in order that they, we have the right to speak into their lives. And I would tell those high school kids, oh, you should come to church with me. The ultimate goal was to get them. And uh, after they come to church, then, and if they liked it and whatever, if it was entertaining, then I'd, you know, we'd do Bible studies together. And i try to impart knowledge and wisdom on them. But if you look at the Bible and you look at Jesus' example of, of how he communes with the Father and how he teaches, how he creates disciples. It's very much showing them on a daily basis throughout life, right? Jesus going throughout life, having these people watch him commune with the Father by the Spirit. And there was none of that in my young life teaching, right? It was very much go to church, read your Bible, right? Because I didn't know how to. Yeah, once again, kind of that religious, these are the boxes that you have to check a little bit. And so now, I, I might be getting off topic, but now I'm almost to the point where it's like, I have to unlearn all these things that I've learned from the church in order to get back to, okay, Jesus said, hey guys, I'm leaving, this is for the better. Because most of us are like, if Jesus was here, I'd believe in him, right? If he was just standing here, why do you have to leave? Jesus himself says, no, it's, it's better that I'm leaving. Because you know what? I commune with the Father through the Spirit, and I'm gonna give you that Spirit, and he can be with each and every one of you. So you all now have an, a direct line to God the Father. I'm gonna go up, be with him, but you're gonna have a direct line to him. That right there is like, wow. I, so I don't need, I don't actually need my Bible. I'm not saying it's not good. Well, yeah, let me go back just a second. So I would say, I don't think I hear you saying we should throw away all of the ways that we stay close to God, right? No, 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 no. Going to church, reading scripture, praying, we kind of need those, right? What I see them as guidelines almost, right? Yes, no, I'm not, yeah, I'm yes. not diminishing the, the value of any of the other things. I'm just saying, I, maybe I'm trying to paint a picture of what's missing, right? What was at least missing right. for me? was direct access, this, this knowledge that, that the Holy Spirit actually speaks still, right? It's this idea that why would Jesus himself say, you're all better off without me? Why would he do that? Because if you ask nine out of 10 people, hey, if Jesus was really here and you got to hear from him, would you believe? Nine out of 10 people would be like, yeah, I'd be more interested in that. Was Jesus wrong when he said that? No, you're all better off because I'm, I'm peacing out. I don't so, think he was wrong. So you, you're really saying that, if I'm hearing you correctly, that we kind of talk a lot about what not to do in order to live a holy and righteous life, as opposed to emphasizing and exalting the fact that we have a God who speaks, mm -hmm. and we have a God who has, wants this deep, intimate, personal relationship with you. Although, I feel like I hear that a lot from the pulpit, right? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I often hear 
God loves you and he wants this relationship with you. Okay, so I guess I have a question um, kind of related to all this because it's interesting when we get into these conversations, um, the focus will get narrowed down to a specific. So like in this case, it might be the pastor. Like you, you, you're going to the pastor. But you said something interesting about what you did in Young Life. Whereas you created a relationship where, and you, you mentioned the, you earned sort of this right to be in this sort of discipleship role where, where you could say, Hey, why don't you come to church with me? And they said, you know what? I will, because I know you, um, a, a question that has kind of been emerging is the fact that there's this relational crisis, if you will, within the church and, um, that a lot of what happens with people breaking off from the church is the relationship got broke. Um, so you're right, there's knowledge, there's all, I mean, we've got as much knowledge as we can handle. You can get it 24 seven through a podcast or whatever you want. But there's something that says, that we hear people saying that I don't wanna go to church. I don't have a reason to be there. Or I'm eating brunch when church is going on, right? There's, there's this non-relationship aspect and I'm just curious, like, you guys go to church, right? Or do you? We have a 16-month-old who now... Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. We can think of a thousand reasons why it's really easy not to go to church. Right. But why haven't we made it a priority? Okay, so maybe we should pivot there for a second. Because along this line of, like, do you feel a gravitational pull uh, in your relational life to go to church at all? I'll tell you one thing. We have better conversation, better community, more in-depth, I don't know, pulling out our, our hearts when we invite community over we make breakfast burritos on a Sunday morning perhaps but we're we're centering our conversation around Jesus and I'm feeling so filled the two hours that I'm with those people than walking into a building and walking out of that building yeah for so long we went to church every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and we sat in the same place to maybe see a couple faces that we knew I'm I'm not the most social person in the world, so (laughs) at 8 o'clock, I don't really want to talk to anybody. Uh, So, you know, for the four minutes that they want you to be social, I would hide. And then uh, we'd sing some songs or, you know, and we would would go home. I learned a lot. You know, I think that the teachings for a long time were were really good. This is an interesting thing that you have brought up a couple times right now, um, whereas you're saying, hey, man, it's the learning's there, the the knowledge, the information's there. And I keep hearing you say, and you got that covered. So, so what it, it's interesting to hear, like, you're getting this awesome need met that you're like, you describe the church as walking into a building, mm-hmm. not communing with anybody. No, and that's good that you brought that up because that's what we've been discussing for such a long time. It's like, why, why, what is the church, right? We use these junk drawer terms of church and whatever other Christianese we use, but at the end of the day, what does that boil down to? You know, we, it used to be that in order to gain knowledge about scripture and about Jesus and to further your relationship, you had to step foot in a building on Sunday. And from there, maybe people were a lot more social before Instagram, all these social networking things. But, you know, you I, I remember growing up at, at uh, the Baptist church that we went to and we had friends and community and, you know, everything was there. Like, we would, we would be at the church two or three nights a week right. with people. Yeah, fam- Wednesday right. night was family night. Yeah, you know, and we'd, everyone would participate in the Christmas program, and I would go and serve the cheesecake to people, and and, um, and even our friends. You know, we on a Sunday morning, instead of going to church, you know, a few months ago, we sat around the table, and I led a very intentional discussion about you know, what what are we looking for? As we all have kids, what are we looking to bring this those kids up in? question. <laughs> and the common theme was, well, when I was growing up, it was like Sunday was the day that everyone gathered together and we all were just in community. Right. So what do they say now? Well, and now it's like, I mean, like we would what all I just love said. That. We would all love to, to do that. But it, I mean, don't get me started on social media and Instagram. That's with, okay. Go ahead and start. Ahead, Emily, get started. <laughs> with these. Are we, you being a challenger? We, <laughs> she's moving she's to the end. In. We have this amazing <laughs> marriage, the best kid. Like, this is what I'm feeling from people of Instagram. A great marriage, these wonderful kids. We do these great, fun vacations. We have the cutest outfit, the newest shoes, the, I don't know, this facade. And then... I almost feel like I'm getting that on Sunday morning too. We walk into this building and it's, well, I have to put my my newest Forever 21 shirt on that I just bought and I have to I have to look the part and our marriage is good, so hold my hand and we're gonna have our cute son or daughter on our, like it just is, it, it just feels like there's so many walls up. But when, when we're meeting in our home, people are, it just feels a lot more broken down. And I mean, we've 
we'll get together with other couples, whether it's on a Sunday morning or an evening, and let's just start praying. Let's just start praying out loud and see what the Lord tells us, see what we're hearing from the Lord, see what we're feeling. And when we would sit at church and do that, I, I didn't necessarily hear from the Lord. And I'm not saying that you can't at church, but we are a lot more when we're sitting on our couch and having a conversation. And we're very blessed to already have a lot yes. of community. I mean, we grew up here. True. And we went to college here, and all most of our friends have moved back. And Emily's the most social person in the world, so I wouldn't actually have any friends without her. But um, I can see how a lot of people don't have that. Well, which I was going to ask you, uh, one of, as you know, if you read research, if you're looking even at the New York Times, you see that loneliness has increased substantially. Especially since social media mm -hmm. has taken hold. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you think about what you just said, which which I understand, how, does the, doesn't the church have a role to play in, in quenching that loneliness? It should, yeah. So how is that going to look in the model you just described if you didn't grow up like let's say think about it, the people listening right now who maybe moved from the state they grew up in um, if they moved and then they've relocated or they just graduated from college which is you know so how will they kind of recreate what you've created in your home how do we how can people who are listening yeah. recreate because of this this dire feeling of loneliness yeah and and just to kind of um connect with what Emily was saying for a second you, you guys are kind of like creating an incubator you're, you're like it's like a startup in, in a sense you know you've got the the traditional parent organization and then you're like eh, let's do something different because there's this problem we're trying to solve but related to what Pam was just saying do you have new people that come into your living room and if so well, how do you how does that happen yeah so I don't claim to have all the answers, um, and I, I don't. This has been a work in progress for a long time, and having a baby has kind of slowed it down. But just one of the one of the things that we're exploring as a friend group, as a community group, was um, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't want to completely say, oh, you know, Sunday gatherings have no purpose. I don't believe that at all. That would be me ignoring some very clear scripture. But we explored this idea of like, what if everything was centered around the home? And Sunday was just the extension of that where you get together and it, maybe it's every other Sunday. Maybe it's once a month and, and Sunday mornings are primarily where the community where your community gets together and you can be intentional and have conversation about Jesus and you can invite people in because who doesn't want a free meal right well it's interesting you say that because the uh, the company that I started working for Genesis mediation the president of that has uh, recently shared with me that uh, two or three years ago he he left organized church to start house churches and he they have found that as a family to be much more like streamline like what you're saying starting yeah. in a home and then and there's only like 20 of them well and i i think that if you read scripture and see what jesus is doing and where he's doing it and when he's doing it his ministry starts in people's houses it's always in a house and then maybe every once in a while you hear him teaching in the synagogue that's mainly to make people angry right it, it starts from very organic places in communities right and you read in the new testament paul Paul isn't like speaking at the church in Colossae next Sunday from, you know, first, second, third to sixth service, right? He's literally, he goes around to different cities and meets with the neighborhoods, the communities that follow Jesus in those cities. And so scripture even, I think, supports the kind of decentralized model of following Jesus, right? How come, I mean, I'm not social, so that's probably the reason for it. That's probably my answer to my own question, but how come, you know, Emily and I don't know every single neighbor on our whole street, right? And how come we've never had every single neighbor over for dinner? I mean, if, it, if Christians were, were following scripture and, and, and really doing Jesus' model, don't you think we'd all, like, be okay. a light to okay, those so around us? Let's tap into that. I um, mean, this is a no, long no, no. discussion. I think this is really important because this gets back to our responsibilities, mm -hmm. our duties. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just curious from your church experience, what has been communicated to you as what is your responsibility as a Christian? Is that, or is that even ever discussed? I mean, the normal rules, right? Like, like what? what are the normal rules? My responsibility as a Christian, I, I'm answering this from a high school Thomas perspective. <laughs> interesting. That's interesting. 
um, because we work with a lot of high schoolers. We have high schoolers at our house multiple times in a week. Okay. Growing up, right, my responsibility as a Christian is to uh, is to read my Bible every day, um, to love others, right, whatever whatever that looks like. It's kind of hard because. I'm not as, I'm going to say this 800 more times, I'm not a super social guy, so loving others is kind of just smiling and being nice, but, um, you know, go to church every Sunday and love Jesus, whatever that looks like. So so to follow up with that, um, you could you mention something specific, like you don't know all your neighbors, and you alluded to the fact that as a Christian, you have kind of a duty, it would seem that you should actually know that. But what I was curious about was, it doesn't seem like your church experience has sort of fostered like, hey, so yeah, you're right. As a Christian, you should know your neighbors. So let's do this. Let me let's let's talk about how to do that and let's do it together. Does that ever happen? Does that ever happen? Or has that ever happened like in your experience? Like, what is your church telling you to do besides be a good boy? I mean, there are (laughs) this isn't to bash on my church. No, that's okay. Because of the family of churches I go to, some of them are very, very community centered. Um, and are telling you to do that. Um, but no, overall as a theme, I think, and, and from when I look around at other people's churches, a lot a lot of Sunday gatherings are very consumer-oriented. Mm-hmm. You know, and and happen. I, I know it's preached, but again, going back to the, the how did Jesus do things? Well, he, he showed, he taught, he had his disciples, he made his disciples by having them watch what he did. So are you not seeing there. pastors showing you or not? Well, I don't know how I would when or they're so antisocial after just, they okay. teach their sermon. <laughs> well, but do, do you think either of you could say, now, if I was going to give the example of a pastor who's just doing exactly what I think or imagine a pastor should do, hmm. it would be this person. You want me to give an example of... You don't have her, to name names. You could just say, um, no, someone who works for the church as a pastor, no, but I do know a lot of... I, I've been blessed to, to have a lot of older men in my life who I would say modeled that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder where are the pastors getting their set of responsibilities from? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is another and podcast that's, that's, and yeah, another that's discussion. That's another hour and a half. Right, we'll have to bring some pastors, yeah. former pastors, former pastors. Had, <laughs> because it's interesting. I mean, because where it comes from leadership, you know, yeah. is what, you know, guides us. So, but I, I want to kind of go back just again, because I, I really want to offer, um, hope obviously it seems to me from hearing your guys story that you took all the good that you were given growing up and you sort of sifted through uh, this is who this is what we want to live this is the life we want to craft that's sort of what I hear that, that what you've done you didn't throw away you didn't walk away from the Lord Jesus Mm-mm. you didn't walk away from faith but you walked away from uh, perhaps religion Correct. okay so I want to go back to thinking about the we're all we're talking about the fact that many of the younger generation have walked away from not just the church from faith they've they've made decisions you've seen them make decisions that don't reflect you know really knowing the person of God so I guess I still have I'm not here I want to hear what your community has been saying these last three years why are people making those decisions yeah I think it's very simple it's because they don't actually know Jesus. They never knew him to begin with. Yeah, that's a very harsh statement, but, um, you know, I have example after example in my head of people who are very involved in the religious aspect of the church and have made atrocious decisions. They've destroyed the people around them. And the only thing that makes sense, and, and even with people that haven't made such bad decisions, the only thing that makes sense in, in my head, and I, I'm wrong all the time, ask Emily, um, is that they, they were never introduced to the person of Jesus. They were introduced to the concept of him dying on the cross for their sins and in the Bible and hey, this this book's real because of this, this, and this, and it's a free gift that God gave you and he loves you. My friends like to equate it to, uh, I guess the best example I can give is that we talk about all the time is uh, there's a difference between me knowing about the Blazers and about Damian Lillard and I can know all his stats and how tall he is and what he ate for breakfast and I can watch all of his YouTube videos and and, and know, you know, where he's from and who his grandma is and where she lives and that he built her a house because he makes so much money now. I don't know Damian Lillard. I don't. Never met him. I will never meet him. I, I don't. There's no, there, there's no bridge for me to know him, right? And I feel like that's how we go through Christianity a lot of times, if that makes sense, right? I know the stats about Jesus. 
Right. But you don't know him personally. But so many people, right? If you we tasted... We you do. Do. No, I, I know I what do. you're saying. I would say that I do. That, but th these people who you're saying I, have I just see so many people make decisions and, and process things in a way that's like, that's purely knowledge-based and not relationally based. And we don't know the difference between it and church today. You know, that, the first time I ever heard about God speaking to you, like hearing his voice was like three years ago. And I've got 25 cognitive years of following Jesus under my belt. Um, and I didn't even know that, I, I just thought, oh, other people hear from him, mm. right? They, they have that gift, but he doesn't speak to me. My mom even said that like a year ago, we had a conversation, well, he doesn't speak to me. That's for other people. Mm. And how many people do you run into? They're like, oh no, I know all this stuff. I know it up here, but how, like it's, it's an internal struggle if all you have is head knowledge, but you have no experience. Well, would your community of people who you've been with for three years, do they say the same things? Is that what you're hearing them say? That as far hear, as hear I'm, from God? Yeah, well, about, about not, you, you keep going back to, which is great, that you had a lot of knowledge and you had a lot of education about God, but you didn't know that you could have like such a deep, personal, like almost communicative relationship mm -hmm. with him. Is that what your community of people are saying? Yeah, 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 my friend. Can you give some examples? My friend, uh, we'll call him Phil because that's his name. Um, <laughs> and I don't think he'd mind. Um, but Phil was a, a very high up at a very prominent ministry and did ministry his whole life. Um, you know, I mean, he went, he grew up in, in Newburgh and uh, he went to uh, college and wasn't really following the Lord. And the Lord, you know, grabbed him and he went into 10 plus years of ministry. And he'll say part of his testimony, and I don't agree how he says this all the time. It sounds a little cliche, but he says, I, I actually met Jesus three years ago. I met him for the first time. And people are like, no, you were, you were such and such at this ministry for this long. And he'll say, no, I, I've met Jesus for the first time. Um, because that three years ago was the first time that he experienced the freedom of a relationship with Jesus. It was the first time that he heard the Holy Spirit communicate to him what Jesus wanted him to know. And from there, it's been this journey for him and for me and for all of our closer friends of, okay, well, if this guy's real and, okay, scripture says, scripture's backing us up in this, right? We're not just going off on a whim. I'm very rooted in, you need to, right, balance everything. If it's, if scripture doesn't support it, it's, you're probably borderline heresy. But scripture's supporting this and we're diving into it and the Lord is showing up. The Holy Spirit's speaking and it's so tangible to me now, whereas before it was, it was knowledge. So let me ask you this um, as we, I want to go back to the fact we have listeners who might say, well, so what's the solution? Okay, so what would you say to someone who was leading a church or wanted to be a pastor of a church? What would you say, here's what you could start thinking about or do um, to open your doors a little wider so that we can call this next generation back into to, to fellowship with God? But I, I'm not saying it has to be in the building itself because I don't know what God's plan is for his church. It's his church. But what would you say? What, thinking about the people you're in relationship with, thinking about your own journey, what would you say to those in leadership? Well, I would say that God already has a plan. No, and I that, need more than that. <laughs> that. But I mean, at the end of the day, he, like, we're not called to, to lift him up. Jesus in John 12 says he will lift himself up and call all men to himself. Right, so we have a role to play, and I think the role to play is to not get in his way, but go along with him. So are we um, getting in the way? I, I think it'll, a lot of times we're getting in the way. Okay, maybe um, you can start with just get, saying. So get out of the way. Okay. Would be my How? answer to your question. How? Uh, honestly, I, I mean, I think the religious aspect of things gets in the way. Jesus himself was very, very against the religious piece of Christianity, um, Judaism at the time. And so let me push back a little bit on that. Please do. Do you think so? You think you can have faith without religion? Uh, define religion. <laughs> well, religion is all the things that unite all the people, right, of a particular faith. So, like, I don't see Jesus as being anti-religious, like, at all. What he's anti is when something's false, right, or when he thinks somebody's like he hates hypocrisy. And but what he says is, man, you're going to actually follow this to the jot and tittle, which, you know, the Hebrew marks very specifically. 
And then when he heals them, he's like, okay, go do what the law of Moses says, right? And he says, I'm going to the Jews of the house, the house of Israel, right? I'm not going to the Gentiles, right? Because he's like, I'm of this religion. So I'm just curious, like in the conversations we have, we hear a lot of anti-religion talk, but what does it look like to have no religion? Yeah, so, so it's very important that we're both talking about the same thing. So when I say religion, I mean, Instagram is a religion today, right? It's something that people devote themselves to. It's a, it's a yeah, that, that's a good of, devotion, right? yeah. So are we devoting ourselves to Jesus, to the triune God and being in relationship to him, or are we devoting ourselves to the other thing, right? The, the, the rules, I guess, mm -hmm. the guidelines, the, the Old Testament scripture, the, what, where's our devotion? We need to balance it. I'd say when I say religion, I mean, all of that without Jesus, because, because Jesus came back and, and was against the Pharisees, who were the religious elite, mm -hmm. right? They were the ones who were, who were not, who were overemphasizing the, the rules and being hypocrites about it. And Jesus came to say, hey, no, it's not about that, it's about me. Uh, and to Rob's point, I guess what we're asking is, is, is that really what you are hearing coming from church? Mm -hmm. Is sort of this overemphasis of rules? Uh, no, I, I don't hear it coming from church, okay. but I think that that's the, uh, that is something that a lot of people are hearing. One, one thing that I'm curious about is um, I see an uptick in um, people going to higher level church, um, looking for this anchoring, because uh, you hear a lot of people say, I just feel like, yeah, this is hodgepodge. And, and one of the complaints is actually that there's not enough religion in church, right. that it actually doesn't even seem like church. And some people walk away and say, wow, that wasn't even anything like church. Right, <laughs> right. right. And the sense of otherness, right, that we've kind of, we've talked about this in some other podcasts with your identity. And, um, and that people kind of find themselves a bit adrift. And so you see people really gravitating to the liturgical traditions and the Nicene creeds. You're starting to hear the creeds pop back up. So I was just really curious about that. How, how does that strike you? Does that resonate with you at all? Or? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to pinpoint one, uh, one problem or one one. But from your own experience, group. like, does that? Yeah, no, I... I, I tend to be kind of all over the board on things because I, you know, I sit and have discussions about those churches that, that, you know, don't even talk about homosexuality, which is such a big topic these days. They just right. let it be. Yeah, yeah. And they even go as far as to say, well, it's okay, right? I saw this meme from Emily's little brother the other day that basically this, uh, this diagram that you followed, and basically at the end of it, it said if you think that homosexuality is bad, you're a bigot and. Jesus doesn't think that, and if you think it's okay, then now, now you've moved, you're, you're, you know, you're 21st century. And it was from a church perspective, so you've got that side of things, which is like, all right, none of the, the Bible doesn't know what it's talking about, you can interpret it 10 different ways, it's all about Jesus, which is not. And then you have the other side, which is, oh, it's all about the rules, like, I'm sorry, you slept with your girlfriend? You weren't married? Oh, oh no. Well now, Jesus, Jesus is that much further away from you, you've pushed him away. Right, and I've heard that too. And, and so just to follow up on that, with the millennial generation, it seems like there's a lot of competing ideas. And there's a lot of discussion of ideas and curiosity of ideas, but then there's a hesitancy, it seems, to land on an idea and say, this is the truth. Yeah. Do you find that in your, and, and does that affect oh, yeah. we, your church life? Aren't we in like the post-post-truth? Mm -hmm. Post-modern. Yeah. Post-modern. Mm -hmm. How does yeah. that affect? I've heard it's been said, it, we're post-post-truth. We're Right? Yes. It was that there was no truth, and now that ev now everything is true, which right, contradicts yeah. itself. Right. But how does that play itself out in, in the church, uh, your church life? Because you just gave an example of we're not talking about things that matter in church. We heard that mm -hmm. um, in, in other conversations. Mm -hmm. Is that something that causes you to have your living room sort of situation? or? No, I don't. As, as an eight, I don't allow it to get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, honestly, I think that... Uh, Again, I think this goes back to having a relationship with Jesus. Like I, but I, I have a very communicative relationship with the Holy Spirit, so it goes back to I'm not. I guess I'm not worried about any of these things anymore. When I the first time I heard from the Lord, He told me who He created me to be, what my identity was, because I believe He He created us with a specific personality, a specific identity, and Scripture would support that He predetermined works for us to do in His kingdom. 
And so he, he spoke that over me in church. Uh, and at the time I was like, oh, I just, I'm making that up because I daydream a lot. Um, and then shared it with some of the, the wiser people around me. And they're like, no, that is, that's from the Lord. Well, can I interrupt just a second here? It's interesting that you bring up that you hear his voice because in the book that I'm, that's going to come out next year, um, one of the choices that my main character has to make um, in his coming back to faith is to distinguish between the voices. And so you are hitting on something that I think every human being longs for is to hear from God. Well, and it's and to know the difference between the voices that we hear because there are multiple. Yeah, and let me be clear, I don't hear the audible no, voice I know of God. I'd that. say it's more internal. like intuition, right? Mm -hmm. It's I mean, how how normal people think of it like like you know, I I believe that the Lord told me 2 days before my dad passed away that he was going to die, mm -hmm. right? And now most people would be like, "Oh, I just had this sense." Okay. Right? So I we, had intuition. We know, we know that right? God we know. impresses. So it is. You're you're exactly right. It's it's learning how to decipher the voices. That's right. Is that it's either it's either from Satan, it's from God, self or self, or it's from self. Right. Right. I mean, I tell myself things all the time, like, and they're usually lies that I'm regurgitating from the enemy. Right. Right. I'm not strong. I'm not disciplined. I'm not good enough. I. No one wants to hear what I have to say. Right. That was something that I struggled with coming here. And maybe no one wants to hear what I have to say, but I don't care. Right, but let me just affirm that this is exactly, uh, this is a great conversation because I want to take this full circle. This is precisely why we need the church. We need the church to affirm this is the word of the Lord that you just heard. Yes. This is right from him because if we were just autonomous human beings who constantly just, you know, went out on the mountaintop, speak to me, God, speak to me, and you heard something but you didn't have that confirmation and you weren't in community, then to me, I think then we're all just doing our own thing. Well, there's so many examples of people doing that and then coming up with, well, there is no hell. Right, right, <laughs> right? right. Because, you know, and so yes, you do need, but when you say the church, you mean the body of believers around you, Well, right? I, the are you, are you, of church. Are I, you referencing a Sunday morning gathering? You know, I kind of going back to what Emily said, uh, you know, I, I don't know God's plans for his church. I don't, but I do know that for centuries we've gathered together on a, a specific day of the week, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's interesting that we're, we're talking about identity. And, um, you know, that is the issue of our time, mm -hmm. which is what does it mean to be a human being? Uh, how do you identify? And so it's like the church has an identity crisis yes, she um, does. because it's difficult to identify the church. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of people who are saying it's this, it's that, it's the other thing. And, and yet it's really pronounced with this generation. One, because the generation is so big. And one, because the change is so dramatic. With this generation, truth has changed. Reality is changing at a pace that we're not accustomed we to. We can't even keep up. Yeah, and so it's created a big challenge for the church. And um, I mean, if we can't say what the church is, you know, it really creates a challenge, right? Yeah, yeah, I think, um, don't quote me on this, but I think this is something that Francis Chan heard from the Holy Spirit about like 10 years ago, and that's why he left Cornerstone Church. He saw a problem. And I listened to a sermon that he gave. Um, it, it was titled, The Church God Wants. And he goes through scripture and, and lays these things out. And he's actually living this out in San Francisco where they don't meet in a building every Sunday. They have groups of about 20 people that gather in their homes throughout the week. And then every so often on a Sunday morning, they gather as a, as a larger group and they're meeting the needs of one another. And he's literally going through scripture. Okay, this is how they did it back in the day. This is how we are going to do it. And he's changing things, but he, he prophesied, so to speak, mm -hmm. that this generation would have this movement happen. This was before any of this whole church thing was talked about in my group of people. Hmm. Well, yeah, go ahead. I don't know if we want to talk about this, but the finances thing is something no, we've talked about, too. The church is letting out. I don't know if you want to say any of that, but... Well, I'd the, love to hear about it. Because <laughs> the other piece that we, we have kind of had a conversation over, too, is the amount of money that's being spent to put on... I don't know. Sunday morning gathering. Sunday morning gathering. I mean, it was what million dollars for one of the funds that we were looking at. I mean, so so basically, what 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 the Lord has put on my heart recently, and especially since having Chloe, has just been children, right? And James says, "Religion that is pure and undefiled before the Lord is to care for the widow and the orphan." And so I'm like, all right, well, let's if we're gonna if we're gonna take some scripture literally, then we got to take all of it literally, historically and contextually. And, um, and that to me, it's like, okay, well, if I look at the church that I went to for 10 years and the yearly budget that they have and how much money I gave, and then 
the fact that they pat themselves on the back that 10% went back out the door. And I'm like, well, where'd the other $6 million go? <laughs> you know? And why are there still children starving in our city and widows in need in our city if religion that is pure and undefiled is to take care of these people? And there's millions and millions of dollars being poured into these Sunday morning gatherings and children's pastors that are being paid seventy or $80,000 a year to have coffee with people throughout the week. And so uh, this is me being very, very skeptical. Um, but that that's just to paint the picture of like, this is what I was going through my head of like, okay, well, if, if we're to meet the needs of the community around us, then why are Sunday morning gatherings costing six to $10 million per congregation? So this is actually really interesting because uh, what I hear coming out of this is the question, what is this about? And, um, and, and think about that. If we go to church and we find ourselves in this place and that question, which is a fundamental question, comes up. What is this whole thing about, right? And it's interesting because when you think about it, how often does it happen that you get a, maybe an annual reminder that says, okay, now this is what this is about. So that if somebody new comes in, that you could say, yeah, here's what this place is about. Mm -hmm. This is what we're about, this is what we're doing. And I do appreciate that about the body of believers who I worship with, we get um, a breakdown of the budget of where the funds go to um, around the world to deal with that. That actually is super helpful to me mm -hmm. for that very reason. Yeah, my church did that too. I guess I just didn't agree with, I, I just don't, <laughs> I don't okay. understand how there are still, there's still such still a still foster care problem, especially in Portland. And yet there are millions and millions of dollars being dumped into Sunday morning gatherings. It's just another question on my mind. That wasn't like the breaking point. But no, but you see yeah, that as a, a controversy. It's, and it's a it's an interesting question to explore. It and is. how do you how do you uh, justify that to a non-believer coming in and saying, well, so what is this about? Is this about like really good music and a, a worship leader who you know could be making record deals and free coffee and free donuts and good childcare and you know, is this Sunday morning entertainment? Or are we about Jesus? Are we about being disciples of a God who loves you and wants what's best for you and wants you to experience life to its fullest and who wants to hold your hand and bring you along in what he's doing? Hmm. Is that what it's about? Because for me, every single church that I've, I shouldn't make a unanimous statement like that, but the majority of churches that I've seen, it's that I don't, that might be what they say it's about, but the, actions, leaving with. the actions don't meet, don't match up. Well, on that note, let's, Let's close up and thank you guys so much for taking this hour with us with your precious girl and sharing, opening not just your minds, but your hearts and your spiritual lives. It means so much. I just want to be sure that we don't have it all together. <laughs> I, I was going to grab Chloe and I just felt like I just want to, we're still definitely figuring all of this out. So I just want to be sure. That well, that's that's what this that's what is this all about. about. Is okay. We're on the journey to figuring yes. it out. Yes. Yeah. But the eight husband that I am with all the time is it is a we. I just sound very sure of myself. <laughs> <laughs> and that was our podcast. In reality, last time of I what am is certainty. Not, yes. yeah, I am so, not the wisest person in the world. No, but you're you're helping us good. build a conversation, and that's what we're looking for. We want to offer hope. Yeah, I'm so, glad we could help. So that's thank great. you so Thanks. much.